Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast here on Iowa Everywhere. Got a lot to talk about today, lots of basketball to dive into. Uh, What's going on, Jordan? How's everything going? Living the dream, just preparing for this damn snowstorm. I'm ready for summer, Jared. I'm ready. Yeah, I thought it was – so one of my buddies is a teacher out in uh, in western Iowa. They got school off today. Mm. And, you know, I was talking to him on the phone last night after the game and obviously much later than he would normally be up on a school night. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to be a really bad snowstorm. And then he texted me at like 1 in the afternoon said he just woke up and there wasn't a drop of snow on the ground. <laughs> Wait, he woke up at 1 o'clock? Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to go to school today, you know. That's a, that's a hell of a day. Well, when that's what happens for these teachers when they get these snow days, especially when you're a PE teacher like he is, you know, like what else do you have to do? Honestly, the teacher, like that's kind of a very, like if there's a tier level, that's like a pretty elite job because you have all summer off. Like that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the shitty thing is now when they have snow days, they make them do the virtual days. You know, mm. that's one of the the downsides of COVID is now everybody realized they can still go to school. They just got to do it on the computer. That should be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. If if we can't travel to school, then I'm not doing school. Then that's, no. I, that's all I need to know. Yeah. That's like when the people were trying to invent like concrete that instantly melted snow to eliminate like snow days or some, some shit like that. I don't remember when it was, it was a few years back. What kind of moron out there is like, yeah, we don't want snow days. Right. That's like the that's like the biggest Nerd. childhood like dream is having a snow day and going outside with your friends during a snow right. day. Right. That's the same guy. The guy who wants to invent things like that is the same guy who asks the teacher why they didn't pick up the homework at the mm. end of class. You know? Fuck that those, guy. Those yeah. people, those type of people, there's a special place in hell <laughs> for those people nerds uh all right like i said we do have a lot of basketball to talk about today iowa state with a big win last night over texas the hilton coliseum iowa's win streak is up to four games uh their next one coming up on saturday they go on the road to columbus to play ohio state i want to talk about uh the postponed game against northwestern uh that was supposed to be played on wednesday uh but let's start with iowa state the cyclones with a an 11 point win last night over texas uh Tyrese Hunter obviously made his return to Ames and that was a, you know, a big storyline going into the game. But man, I thought the biggest takeaway from it was just to see Iowa state come out and play a really talented team and you don't have to out physical them in in a really tough game. And um, you know, you're able to make enough plays in the second half and the stuff with Tyrese kind of felt like it, you know, went onto the back burner a little bit where they were out there, you know, playing really good ball and able to get away with the, you know, with another win, get yourself back in a, a tie for first place in the big 12. Dude, that environment, Hilton. First off, it's a it's a shame that game wasn't on television like mm-hmm. ESPN. It was, I know it was on ESPN Plus, but bro, that environment is. You know, I me and I would say have a lot, a lot of memories, right? A lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of positive ones, some negativity ones. But I will say this: Hilton Coliseum, when it is like that. Man, I don't think there's another basketball environment out there that's more fun to play in. It is unbelievable how into those fans get. And, I mean, obviously you're there experiencing right in the middle of the crowd. And just watching it on ESPN Plus, was I wish I, I could have been able to experience that. Yeah, I mean, it just is uh, – I'm blown away every time by how, um, how smart Iowa State basketball fans are where they really know when to be crazy and when to – shut the hell up you know and they they're just like really good at that and knowing when it's like okay now it's really time to step it up like they need you know we need to get behind them for them to get this stop and things like that and it just there was something about last night that was different than any other recent iowa state basketball game obviously it was fueled by hatred which is is a rare occurrence you know but it was also just like you could feel it felt like Iowa State basketball is like back, back, you know, like last year it was kind of back, but it's like now it's like people, it doesn't matter who it is that's showing up at Hilton Coliseum, the fans expect to win again, 
you know, and that's going to be what drives like students coming out and camping and doing those kinds of things to get back into that first row. I mean, it just really felt like that was like an arrival moment for Hilton Coliseum. And that's what I thought was unfortunate about it not being on TV is that you look at the atmosphere down in Manhattan in that game between Kansas and Kansas State, which was incredible and was a, a fantastic game that went into overtime. There's no reason that those two games should not have been back to back at six and eight on ESPN no. on a Tuesday night. I mean, no way. There's no reason for that. And dude, that Kansas Kansas State game was electric as well. But I'm I don't I don't know if yeah, like I said, I don't know if there's a better environment to play in because obviously I've experienced I've been on the court. I've experienced a lot of amazing atmospheres like Indiana, Michigan State, and played at Virginia, you know, go down the line of all these places I've played at. But for whatever reason, obviously there's a hatred towards me and I and myself towards Iowa State, which made I feel like that made the atmosphere even better when we played there. But like I just said earlier, I don't think there's another basketball atmosphere when it's like that, that anything can top that. Obviously, I've never played it out in Fieldhouse or anything like that, but that that's that's top-notch. And something when you have a basketball environment like that, your team's just going to feed off that. I don't care all the conspiracies out there that says fans don't really matter. They matter. And when they're like that, that affects the team. I think it especially matters when you have a team that plays the way Iowa State does with the physicality, defense, all those kinds of things. And you can get that crowd that has kind of that aggression behind it as well. It just like fuels what they're doing to an extent, you know, and it always felt like that even when Iowa State had the was so good on offense with Fred and all those guys, when those guys would really get rolling the way that Hilton, it was like Hilton Coliseum was like an avalanche, you know, and it you could just get crushed underneath it if you're an opposing team and it just would it wouldn't stop, you know, and that's what I think you're seeing now with this with this team with with defense. I, I was interested to ask you about some of this stuff because you're one of the few people out there who would really understand what Tyrese Hunter was going through uh, last night in this game. He scored 10 points. I think he was three of 11 from the field. He scored nine points right away, right off the bat and before in probably the first 10 minutes of the game, but he made his last field goal with 32 minutes left. And then it was a pretty rough night for him. Basically those last 30 minutes. What's it like when you walk out onto the floor and it's like, uh, from the second that you s step out of the tunnel, it's fuck you. It's all those kinds of things. You're being booed every time you touch the ball. Like, how hard is it to have fun with that and not take it personally? Yeah, I don't know how Tyrese was feeling. You know, mentally, obviously, he's the only one that knows what he was feeling during that time. But, you know, myself, I'm more of a free spirited and I'm open to that kind of hatred and I loved it. Um, obviously I wish I would have played better some of the times I played against Iowa state, but um, I feel like there's always been two types of players that of all the teammates I've had of all the players I've always played against is guys that shy away from that kind of negativity and hatred and guys that want it and experience it and want it to feed their energy even more and motivate them. And, I, I would like to imagine I was kind of one of those players that wanted to step in those environments and wanted to hit a shot and, you know, quiet the crowd or blow a kiss to the crowd and um, live in the moment. You know, people could talk all their shit around about those kind of players, but I have a lot of respect for those players that, you know, for one, I have a lot of respect for Tyrese because he stepped onto the court. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, I'll give respect to Tyrese for this. I know he transferred out of state, but not a lot of people can transfer out of a team especially in conference and go back to that team and play them at that place and play. I'm not necessarily saying he played a fantastic game, but just be there on the court and play the game of basketball. That is really hard to do. And I have a lot of respect for a guy like that that's able to do that. And on the other end, other end I have a lot of respect for TJ, what he said after the game as well. He definitely took the high road and uh, he paid a lot of respect for um, what he, what he said. He said to Tyrese after the game, I think that's really admirable and says a lot about what TJ has been doing with the culture at Iowa state. But um, I've always thought about those, how those are two different players that um, shy away from and guys that wanted. And um, I think it says a lot about Tyrese that he's able to do that and a lot of respect for both of the parties that were involved for that game last night. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, after the game, TJ was asked what he said to, to Tyrese in the handshake line. He told him how appreciative he was of everything that Tyrese did for the program last year, how much he respects him, uh, told him to stay healthy and keep doing his thing. Basically, you know, more or less what you would expect a head coach to say to, to somebody. But uh, it just is it, – it had to have been really weird for him, you know, because I think even – 
even like in the summer, you think right after he left and like there were some things that happened. He said that he sent out the tweet about free smoke for anybody after Gabe Kalsher said he was excited to play against Texas, uh, you know, and it was just it seemed like he had said some things that kind of fueled that villain role to an extent. I think it's really easy to play that villain role and be like, fuck those guys when you don't ever have to see him, you know, and then all of a sudden when you do have to see him again. Like, I imagine that that was just generally like a weird feeling, you know, and I think from just like being able to read the situation before the game and things like that, I think you could tell like everybody was feeling that on some level where it's like, should I go and say something to him or like, should I even go and try and dap up with him or anything, you know, because it's just like, it's just weird. It's just a weird dynamic. And obviously he was only here for one year, but still you build those bonds with people and then, you know the way that those bonds were broken will probably never be fixed. Like those are things that will never be able to be taken back on some level, you know, but it's still like, even though the fans boo you, even though all these things, that doesn't mean that anybody here doesn't have a ton of respect for who you are, for the way that you play the game, for the way that he's persevered in his life through losing his parents at a young age and being able to, to get to the position that he is now, like no one, no one here is going to sit here and, and knock who Tyrese Hunter is as a person, but that doesn't mean that everybody's not going to give him the business for 40 minutes when those get, when everybody's between those lines. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And that kind of goes along what I was saying too, with those two types of players and, you know, the same thing with respect to Tyrese for showing up and playing and being there and you know, being competitive. Same thing with all those guys in Iowa state that, you know, I love the talk, the shit talking back and forth, like on social media. And it's one thing, like you were just saying, of doing it and never seeing those players again. And there's another thing of doing it and realizing you play those guys, you know, in the smack middle of the season. That's, I think that says a lot about a person because they're not shying away from competition. I think that's what makes college sports so great as well, is you have, you're able to have those interactions and something that, I don't think the professional basketball is as big on because of the rivalries that have occurred in the college sports. I think that's the difference that college sports has, but um, I think I I do want to say too about Tyrese. I mean, you mentioned it as well, that there should be respect towards that player. And obviously booing and, you know, talking shit is is part of the game as part of being a competition, but he, he did a lot for that Iowa State program, and I, I'm I'm very I'm, I'm appreciative of even just him as a player and I'm playing against him and seeing what he did to um, kind of lead that Iowa State team from what they were prior to him being there to what they did last year. You know, I, I, I hope a lot of Iowa State fans, and not saying they aren't, that they're really appreciative of what he did and um, for that program and how he was able to move the needle because, you know, basically they can talk all the shit they want about him and um, – what he might average, but you know, the players know behind the scenes what, what it takes to do on a day to day basis. And he was a part of that program to move the needle. And I think that deserves definitely some respect from the, the home fan base that he played with last year. And it would have been really easy for him to not keep his commitment after Steve Prom got fired, you know, and to, to go somewhere else and never even play a game for Iowa state. And he, and that's the thing that I think maybe gets lost in the fact that they had all that success last year's TJ Otzelberger is not the coach that recruited Tyrese, you know, like Steve Prome was. And uh, for whatever reason, that bond just was not strong enough to be able to withstand some of the things that it was going to need to withstand for that to be a long-term relationship. And it just, you know, it is what it is. I think now, now that you played him, you welcomed him back, you gave all those kinds of things, you know, the fans were able to, to do their part. I think it, I think now it's, it's, people need to move on from it it is what it is you know you beat him he didn't play very well now everybody just can say all right tip your cap to him he's just another guy now you know yeah and and it's the same thing you kind of look at the college sports landscape as well like head coaches i mean you, you made a great point about him committing to a coach that he didn't play for i mean that took a lot of respect for him as well to just even go to Iowa State and and play in that program with a different coach that didn't even recruit him. And what's lost in it as well is all these college coaches that are going all over the place whenever they get a new contract from a different school to, you know, increase their their salary. And these kids are left with whatever they have behind and not not a lot of being said about these coaches going wherever they want. And and I, I get the transfer portal is, is kind of a mess, but at the end of the day, you know, coaches are able to do it and players are doing it now. I think it's, it's just part of the game. And 
Um, like you said, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Now you got, you know, you beat him. He moved on. You guys have moved on. You guys have a good team. They have a good team. At the end of the day, it's just competition. Right. And it's just, yeah. What's it matter now? You know, like it's what matters now is the basketball and you, you're able to give him the business. You're able to do your thing. If he has to come back again next year, I'm sure everybody will give him the business again, but it's like it, we don't need to sit here and think about it for 365 days anymore. You know, like it just is, is over. And, uh, you, I think you could just tell all around, there was a lot of personal feelings going on in that game last night on, I think on both sides. Cause I think that Texas did not shy away from any of the physicality, any of the talking, any of those things. Like I, I would say that there were times where Texas was one of the drivers of a lot of those things. They were not, there was no love lost on either side there. I don't think. And that's where, you know, I have to give Iowa state credit because it's when Iowa state with Iowa state being the kind of team that they are, that is so built on effort and playing really hard and like being able to out physical people and things like that outwork people. When you play against a team that's more talented than you are on paper and that they start to do those things too, with physicality and toughness and really chasing after the ball and playing the way that they do. Like that's where Iowa state can run into trouble with playing some of these kinds of teams. You know, you think about a team like Kansas, you think about a team like UConn when they played them earlier in the year, Uh, like those teams that are just, tougher than you or just as tough as anybody else, but they are also more talented than anybody else as well. And I mean, I, I, that's what I walked away from the game last night. I was like, the story here is that Iowa state beat a top 10 team and it doesn't have anything to do with Tyrese at this point, you know, and man, Gabe Kalsher deserves some big credit for the way that he was able to guard on Marcus Carr yesterday and keep him uncomfortable. And obviously they've got a lot of history with each other as well. And it just, it seems like, uh, playing against Texas, playing against Marcus Carr, playing against Tyrese yesterday kind of brings up a really good side in him, one of the better sides of what Gabe's able to do on both ends of the floor. I, I did tell you before the game, We, for those that are listening, we had an exchange. Um, I was texting. Uh, we were texting back and forth, me and Jared, before the game, and I said, I thought Tyrese was going to have a big game, and then he came out with the first nine points. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, but obviously the last 32 minutes were a little rough. But I also said the best thing for Texas – was Marcus Carr get two fouls? <laughs> he had a quick first foul, and I felt like he was a little passive. I'm like, this might go in Texas' favor for him to be, kind of be out of the game a little bit. Um, it, it's weird. I think I think Ty- I think it's Texas is a better team when Tyrese is more dominated on the ball than Marcus Carr. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. Which it just it says is- a lot too. But it's yeah. like they, Tyrese like experienced it. Like at Iowa State, like he, he kind of had the ball a lot at Iowa State um, being the guard on their team. Obviously played with some great players last year. But I just feel like they move – Texas moves the ball so much better with Tyrese with the ball the majority of the time. Marcus is just so chaotic. And I played against the guy. You know, some games he had like 35 on us. And other games he was just non-existent when he played yeah. at Minnesota. So – but Big 12, I feel like it's a lot of Big 12 basketball. A lot of it has to do with who's going to show up based on the hard defensive teams that are being played. Yeah, I think Marcus – I'm not going to sit here and say, like, that I don't think Marcus is a good basketball player because I think he's <laughs> he's a really good player. He's a really good scorer. And, and when he's able to get to his spots, he's as good at, at getting buckets as anybody out there that you're going to find in, in college basketball. But, man, I have a hard time watching him sometimes with the way that he he gets the ball and he'll pound that thing forever, dude. And it's like then all of a sudden there's five seconds on the shot clock and he'll shuffle it off to Dylan to Sue and it's, okay, now it's your problem, bro. You know, and that that's hard for me to watch sometimes. And that's where I think I think you make a good point with Tyrese is it feels like they play together as a team better when Tyrese is the one that's handling the ball the majority of the time. And it feels like when Marcus Carr is handling the ball majority of the time, it's Marcus Carr and four other guys out there, you know, and like all of a sudden every once in a while that might work out, but more often than not, it's him going to dribble himself into a tough situation and take a tough shot, you know, and then his teammates just stand around and watch. And that just is, that's frustrating way to play basketball. I think. And those are the worst point guards too, that, they pound the shit out of the ball and then they wait till the last four or five seconds and they give it off to someone else and no, not, no flows occurring on offense. And they're basically creating a one-on-one situation for a guy to get a bucket at the end of the clock. 
I think Tyrese did a really good job of that last year with the athletes he had on his team. He was able to move it. Um, obviously, Gabe was really up and down this year, but um, that kind of feeds off to what we've been talking about, Lipsy. I think Lipsy's been doing a phenomenal job as well when there's been kind of um, slacking at, at um, offensive end, especially uh, last game. You know, they were able to move the ball, get the ball in the right hands. Um, like Gabe, Gabe's been playing well, so he's been getting the ball in perfect spots to be able to shoot. And it just feels like they're way more comfortable when the ball is moving, when you have a point guard like that. And, I mean, I know we talked about that last episode with how well Lipsy's been doing, but um, I thought last night was another example of just little things like that. It just makes a huge difference for a team. Iowa State's offense has just ran at such like a good – it seems like they're in a good flow with what they're trying to do on the half court right now, you know, and, and where they're trying to find – shots and the things that they're they're running and when when they're able to run their stuff their offense is really good it's it's when teams are allowed to start blowing up their actions that things can get a little bit hairy because that's when it's you know it kind of comes down to the jimmies versus the joes a little bit but it's like uh it's impressive to watch them run their stuff because they don't have anybody who is such an immense offensive talent that it's like they draw a ton of attention it's liter- it literally has to be all five guys doing their job and working the doing what they're supposed to be doing, c- making hard cuts, making good screens, making good passes. And when you're able to do those things, like you can create open looks for people without someone who has to dribble it around and break people down off the dribble and things like that. Yeah, there's just a lot of unselfish play. I think that's a great way to define this Iowa State team. I think their identity – was kind of beaten up after the Iowa game. And I'm still shocked they lost as much as they did seeing the team that they are now and playing like they do. I think that loss to Iowa, I know we've already talked about this as well, but I think that really found their – they found their identity after that game. And I think their mm-hmm. identity is playing really hard, playing really unselfish and moving the ball. And that's that's the keys for Iowa State moving forward to, for them to make a deep run, for them to be Big 12 championship contenders. I think that on some level, every team that doesn't have like uh, overwhelming amounts of talent has to have a moment that forces you to look in the mirror a little bit, you know, like uh, a moment that reminds everyone like, oh, shit, if we start going rogue, like this is what can happen, you know, and I feel like that's probably what that was for that team. It's just is like when you can't go out and roll out five guys who are going to go play in the NBA, like everybody has to do their job. And if one person doesn't do their job, things can go sideways really fast, you know. And I just felt like that's what that I was that Iowa game was for Iowa State was it was like a it was a reminder of like, oh yeah, we have to continue to do our thing. You know, we can't just like roll the balls out and beat anybody because we're better than them, you know. It's the same thing with Iowa. I think Iowa State and Iowa based off identity wise have had really similar seasons because you know, Iowa, they lost to a brutal Eastern um, Illinois team, and they lost to a Nebraska team. And I think they found their identity after that. They realized the same three three points I just made about Iowa State. That would be unselfish, move the ball, and play hard. And they're doing that now because of what has happened in the past. And they realize if they don't do those things, they, they're they a team that – both those teams are teams that could not get in the NCAA tournament. And mm-hmm. – I think that's huge for a team moving forward to find that identity early on in early season conference play. That's really important to do. It's so wild that like just playing really hard can be a tenant of your team and it can take you to another level because it feels like something that should be a given. But I think anybody who's spent any time around college basketball knows that that is not the case. You know, getting everybody to play really hard all of the time is really hard. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, that that point is so important because obviously people are grateful to play the game of basketball at this level, and it's very rare to even get to this level, high major, division one basketball. And the same thing is even said, you know, at this professional level too. And it's hard for guys to play hard. I, I don't know why. I don't know if they're just not treating their bodies right, whatever the excuse may be, but for whatever reason, there's guys out there that just don't want to do the little things and don't want to be, take it to that next level. And if you're able to just even play hard, that, that takes away like 90% of the competition, like just playing hard because that 90% of the competition won't even do that. And that's why you see so many deep runs in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, is because teams just play harder than the other team. They're not more skilled. They're not more talented. 
if you just play harder than another team at any at this high level whether it's college or professional basketball you can beat anyone you want and playing hard is that number one key and that's exactly what iowa and iowa state has figured out now and it's so hard to simulate that like when you're in practice where you've got another team that you know, especially on those quick turnarounds and things like that in the tournament, it's like we're trying to prepare against to play against an Iowa State. How do you simulate what Iowa State does in practice on a two-day turnaround? I mean, I I don't know that it's possible. Like, how many people have the personnel that you would even need to have your scout team give you a good, solid look for that? You know, and that's just like that's where I think Iowa State, and you know, I think Iowa too, like with especially with with what some of their personnel is like. That's what gives them a chance on those quick turnarounds. Is it's just like. You can't prepare for this. You're, you have to be worried about what you're going to do more than what they're going to do because there's just no way for you to simulate this in a in a really true solid way. Yeah, and it's the same thing with basketball IQ almost. Like, I I personally think, my opinion, people are kind of just born with basketball IQ. It's not something that's developed, right? Like, you either have basketball IQ, or you don't. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's an uncontrollable by just playing hard that can trump all the other things that are in the way of maybe not knowing the scout as well maybe not guarding the personnel that the scout has said that this guy is a driver this guy's a shooter you just playing hard trumps all of that and you can just get you can get by and you can win games by just playing hard because guys just don't want to do that guys don't want to play hard for 40 minutes for 48 minutes whatever level you're at and if you're able to do that thing like i said it's it's extraordinary where you can go as a team and as a player. Yeah, and that's what uh, I thought last night with Iowa State. There was about a point, probably about 10 minutes into the game, where they started to really force some turnovers, and you could tell that Texas was reaching a breaking point on some level where it's like you, you're not like you know making people quit, but where you can break people a little bit mentally of like, we're going to out-tough you. Like This is going to be a heavyweight fight, and we're going to stand in here and go blow to blow all night, and you're not going to get us to back down. You know, And I think that there's been a lot of games. Like if A lot of people, I think, can notice this. If you start to become aware of it, it's like there will come a point where you'll start to see other teams against Iowa State start bickering with each other, where they'll start to do some things that are just a little bit out of character, and that's because of that playing hard. You frustrate people into doing things that are out of character, you know? And, uh, I mean, last night I thought Iowa State did some things uh, from a, you know, outside of play the game thing that probably got into some people's heads. Uh, Caleb Grill calling it, telling the Texas bench to call a timeout was an all-timer. I'm not sure how many times someone could get away with doing that without getting a technical foul. Caleb did it three times, though, so apparently it's it's more than three times. It, okay, people debating this on Twitter. You can get can't you get called a technical foul for gesturing a timeout as a defensive player? Yeah, I think theoretically, but it's like if you're actually <laughs> trying to call one, you know. But how do you, if you're a ref, how do you decide? Yeah. Oh, he's, I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, I, I figured the, there's no way the official saw it, right. like saw him do it because there's no way he wouldn't have gotten a technical if yeah. they'd seen him do it. That just is it, talking to the other team's bench and doing it in that kind of fashion is like, is one of those things that most officials are just not going to put up with, you know? Yeah. I, you told me a little different background information why he was doing it. I thought it was cringe at first, but Again, maybe I did some cringe things in college basketball. People thought were cringe, but I, I love that type of stuff. I think that's what makes college sports so great. You're able to, I mean, who, how many, I mean, he's going to look back and be like, yo, I was talking shit to the opposing team and make them say, try to call a timeout. Not many people can say that in their life that they did that. Caleb Girl got so deeply under the skin of Texas and uh, Texas fans that someone tweeted out that they hoped he got cancer. Like that's how that's how deeply Caleb Grow was inside the heads of Texas people. Like it just is. It. I mean, come on, fellas. People are so crazy. I guarantee you, it was a the profile picture was just like a mascot of the Texas Longhorn, and that's exactly what it was. I think oh, it was. Really? Uh, yeah, I think it was a Pepe the Frog Texas Longhorns thing, which makes it even better. People hide behind the screen. I, I think it. Oh, he deleted it. Never mind. That's like the complete opposite of what we were talking about. Like the, the no smoke thing or whatever it was tweeted mm-hmm. by Tyrese. Like those guys are actually like talking the talk and, and walking it. Like they're, they're going into the battle with each other after talking shit. People on social media don't go into battle. They just yeah. say, it. 
which is talking about cringe that's super cringe in my opinion people that do that yeah no kidding uh but yeah it was uh who says that as well like well yeah that that's what i would say is like what kind of sane person types this out and then hits send and thinks that that's a good idea in in any circumstances ever you know you can't you can't the can't the cancer is like a line you can't like cancer and dying i feel like those are two things you can't joke about no no certainly not especially in the context of uh this guy just beat my basketball team and i hope that he gets cancer now like that's just come on guys like that we got to be better than that uh all right we'll talk about iowa basketball here in just a minute but want to remind you guys all of our basketball content here on the podcast is brought to you by our friends at sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails on main street in ames it's a perfect place to go before or after iowa state home games anytime the cyclones are on the road or any anytime the hawkeyes are in action it's a great spot for late night fun with a southern inspired menu with a great collection of burgers sandwiches wings and of course caroline's famous fried chicken the atmosphere is incredible with plenty of tvs to watch any game on your radar and there's a party room available for rent for your next big gathering that's sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails at 316 main street in ames presenting sponsor of all of our basketball content right here on uh on the show uh all right iowa's win streak up to four games now uh, after wins over michigan and maryland since we last recorded uh got to go to columbus play ohio state on saturday we're supposed to play northwestern tonight uh, that game was postponed due to injury and COVID reasons inside the Northwestern program. Uh, why the fuck can you still postpone games for COVID? What year are we in? Yeah, I was gonna, when I first saw that, I was like, "What is this? 2020?" Like, I don't. I'm that's got to be a forfeit. If that's your problem, that's got to be a forfeit. Like, there should be no way to work around that if you in in 2023. It's been know, three years, guys. You know the worst part of this too. Like, we're talking about like this being the idiotic thing is caused caused by uh, COVID, and yeah. I guarantee you there's going to be someone talking about, oh well, all these people are still dying from COVID. Like, this is the right thing to do. Right. Idiotic. It just makes no sense. Like. It, you're like the only team in the country having this problem. Like, why are you, why do we give you guys the grace and say like, yeah, we'll, we'll play you another night, you know? And they have six players too. It's not like they don't have enough players to play. Right. How, how can you just postpone a game? Yeah. That's what I didn't understand is like the injuries, the COVID, like that just is. I, so, so if you, if guys, have, I don't know if, if your whole team's injured, I guess now you can just postpone a game and and just not take a forfeit i guess I don't yeah know. i and i don't know like you know taking a forfeit maybe is kind of maybe it's kind of cheap too i guess but it's like shit like that's not your fault you know it just is that's what i i didn't understand that that was just weird that they decided to postpone the game like that well i mean of all places it's chicago so i just never know i mean those people they probably they're probably on to something they're the smart ones you know what do you mean? At Northwestern. Oh, like, yeah. Or the dumb ones. You don't know. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, it's o- just overthinking. Northwestern's got a bunch of guys on their team that probably told the teacher that they forgot to uh, to pick up the homework. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's the complete opposite. Where, like, they're so smart that they're overthinking it. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a significant overthinking uh, moment. But uh, what, what did you think of the win against Michigan and, and then beating Maryland over the weekend? Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of what I'm saying, I think of what I was doing is a lot of what Iowa State's been doing. You know, they've been playing on selfish, moving the ball, and playing hard. And you know, obviously Chris Murray will do Chris Murray what he what he's been doing this year. Um, Connor's been stepping up huge in the starting role. Um, Josh Dix has stepped in huge. He put a little point guard um, against Michigan. Um, Tony was huge at Maryland. I think that's what makes Iowa so dangerous because they have so many guys that can step in and have a huge game Peyton's starting to um, get a shot back and hit open shots and that just creates a huge dimension for this Iowa team um, they have a really tough stretch though coming up um, I don't know exactly the five games ahead but I know the five games are very I think it's like Ohio State Michigan State yep. I got it here for you uh, Ohio State on Saturday Michigan State next Thursday uh rutgers at home next sunday uh illinois at home the following saturday and then purdue in west lafayette the following thursday 
So that is one of the hardest, I, in my opinion, that's going to be one of the hardest stretches in college basketball. Yeah, so they're going to play. They're about to go through four of their next five games are against teams that are in the top twenty-five on Ken Palm, and Michigan and State's number forty and, and would probably be in the top twenty-five if they had been healthy all year. Yeah, um, I mean, and throwing in a game against Rutgers too that they went at their place and and beat them. It's really hard to beat a team twice in conference play. That is very very hard to do. So that's going to be a very, I feel like underrated game. Um, I think they need to be ready to play that game. But looking ahead. I mean, Ohio State's, you know, they've had an up and down year. Michigan State's always hard. Purdue, Illinois, I mean, you go down the line. It's the same thing with Big 12. Every night in and night out, you're going to have to come ready to play. And they've had a really, compared, like, relatively to Big Big 10 conference play, they had a kind of easy stretch here. Northwestern was probably going to be another win. They're going to get three home, home wins in a row, um, get their win total up to five, but I think that Northwestern game being postponed might be a bad thing for this Iowa team. I'm hoping they're able to reschedule the game. I haven't heard anything about the future plans of that game, but yeah, um, it's always nice to go into a hard road, a hard stretch in conference play when you have not really necessarily a pick me up game. I know Northwestern is really good this year, but when you have a home game that gets canceled like that, that is, that's, that's hard to, that's hard. One to hard to get back, and one it's kind of like a. It sucks because you have a home game in, in Big Ten that you want to. You want to play home games. That's I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And you have well, that canceled. Especially when I mean now, if you're going to make it up, like you're going to compress the schedule even more. You yeah. know, like they already play on the 21st, 26th, 29th, still in January. And then on the 4th, 9th, 12th, 16th, 19th, 22nd, 25th, and 28th. And then March 5th. So basically the longest like stretch they have without a game is five days uh, in the month of February. And now you have to figure out how to squeeze another game into there. Like that's just as, that's tough. You know, that's why I would, that's why for me sit there and you're going to postpone this game. It's like, well, when are you going to make it up? Right. Like how are you now? Someone's going to be playing on, on short turnarounds, you know, for the next month and a half. Like that just is, that's kind of unfair, I think. And if they don't make it up too, it same thing happened during COVID year with Michigan. Like they're like deemed the champions of regular season, but they didn't play as near as no, uh, uh, much games as like a normal team did play 20 or I think it was, I think he still played a 20 game slate that year. But I mean, let's say they don't make it up and Iowa makes a run at it and they're a game short compared to other guys. Like that's a huge difference to not have that game first off and as your resume to get in the NCAA tournament and two for a seeding wise for the big 10 tournament, because that's huge to have a game break a home game that, you know, the odds are in your favor that you're going to win that game. And that's going to increase your ability to get a better seed, not only in the big 10 tournament, but also the NCAA tournament. So that, I'm hoping they make it up, but I really don't know how they're going to be able to make that up, especially if Northwestern, you know, continues COVID and injury and they postpone another game. That's going to be hard. Well, yeah, is Northwestern not going to be able to play for two weeks now? Uh, I, I mean, I guess I don't know what the protocol is anymore at this point. Like, what? how many of those things are still in place? I don't know. Weird Dude, deal. Throwback to when you got COVID and you had to sit out a whole month after you got sick. Oh, that geez. was absurd. Yeah. Yeah, guys that were spending like 60 days in quarantine or something like that in a hotel room by themselves. Dude, I could literally write, I I could write a full ass novel of shit that happened during that year. That was the most insane season of sports ever. I'll never forget when, uh, so I went to the NCAA tournament that year. It was, I went to like the second weekend. Uh, I went with a buddy. We went and watched Loyola and it was like when, the second that a team lost and they could break the bubble, oh, we're gone. You know, we're, yeah, everybody's free. We're going to the bar. We're getting drunk. We're doing whatever the fuck we want to. We've been stuck in the inside for however long, seeing everybody else out there having fun. And it was just so funny. Like you'd be walking around and you just see guys from other teams in Indianapolis just walking around, you know, and you're like, you know, that that guy's been waiting months for the opportunity to walk around outside in Indianapolis and go to the bar. Dude. Yeah. And of course, I mean, I always, the one team that got fucking COVID was our, the team we played first round. Like, yeah, 
that's that's something else that i'll never forget like what are the odds of that happening yeah and that oregon team was like you know there's a weird team too it's just like it's crazy it's just a, that was a crazy year but I, I feel like we're going back maybe we're going back to a couple year who knows dude it's wild to think that there's like gonna be a point like 30 years from now where we have to explain to people uh you know like lebron got his last title it's like yeah but it was the bubble title it was a mickey like, mouse ring yeah it was a mickey mouse ring like you, you you had to be there to understand you know like that's i think that'll be so many things that we're gonna tell our kids some days like yeah if you weren't there you'll never get it like it just was <laughs> it, it was count. yeah it was just something else uh <laughs> what do you think going into columbus on saturday what what do you need to be able to do to go and win there it's a hard place to win. Um, we've been fortunate to play there. Um, we played arguably we played there during COVID and last year, I believe. Did we play there last year? I think we won we won both. Yeah, we won both back to back years, I believe. Yep, we won seventy five sixty two last year. Yeah, and that uh, year before was arguably one of the biggest wins in McCaffrey's career. Um, yeah. 73 57 the year before that. Yeah. That's a hard place to win at, uh, kind of a weird environment for people that have never been there. It's a big arena. It's almost like an NBA arena. Um, like obviously any big 10 team fans are right on top of you, a hard place to win. Anytime you're on the road in the big 10 or any conference game, you're, you're fighting for a W and, Ohio State's trying to find their identity as well. They've had an up-and-down year. Uh, Holdman's a, one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion, and he's a very great offensive coach. I know he's going to have those guys ready to play against Iowa. And, you know, Iowa's one. They're on a little win streak here. Obviously, you're not going to win out. So it's basically just fighting for how long you want this win streak to last because, obviously, it's, it's going to end at some point. But the, the way you want it to end, you want it to end on a good note. You don't want to end on a really bad – you know, defleeting L that's going to ruin the rest of your season. I mean, if, you know, you think about this stretch, if you could steal one of these road games and win the two home games and go three and two, you have to be happy, right? Yeah. And that's, that goes along with what I'm saying. Like that win streak is going to end at some point, but how, how do you want that to go this stretch? Right? Like what you just said is, you know, there should be a little goal here. Obviously you don't want to look ahead of games, but we go the stretch three, two, four, one, you know, we're looking, you know, as a top 20 team right now. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how you have to look at it. Take it one game at a time, like always. But you want to get out of this rough stretch that not a lot of teams in the country would go, you know, they might go winless in. And you want to you come out on top and come out as your winning streak ends on a positive note moving forward towards mid-conference play. Because right now you're seeing, like, insane shifts in conferences, right? Like, yeah. Iowa was just at the bottom. Now they're top five. Like, there's – I think there's six teams that are tied for like mid pack. Like these are huge games right now to go in a road game and win. Yeah. I'm interested to see that game in East Lansing next week. They're, they're playing good ball right now. I watched them play uh, on Monday against Purdue, man, Purdue, Purdue is so much fun to watch with Zach Eady. That's like appointment television right now, watching the way teams try and guard him. But uh, Tyson Walker has been in his bag, dude. That guy is a dog. Like he he's is good. every night. He's just getting buckets, man. Michigan yeah. States, I think is a really underrated team, but it's weird. We always, how many times the last few years have said, you know, Michigan State's down this year, Michigan State's down this year. And somehow in some way they always find to beat, you know, big time games and be there with the top teams in the country. I mean, they're right there with Purdue, you know, if foul call goes a different way. They might win that game, but you know, Purdue is a final four team, obviously. And, Zach Eady is a national player of the year. I don't even think – I think we should just hand him the trophy right now. Yeah. It's even close. I was looking at some metrics uh, yesterday, and, like, some of his advanced numbers are, like, double what everybody else's are. You know? Like, he's just incredible. He's not even fair. I'm unsure what the game plan was when uh, Michigan State decided to try and front him on the last possession. That was questionable. But uh, they did as good a job as anybody of, like, making his life hard you know i was impressed by that but it's just he is he is nearly impossible to keep under wraps for 40 minutes you make his life hard and he still has 30 and 20 yeah like it's unbelievable i've never seen a player oscar shibway last night was really good i think he had like 34 and 22 i mean he's obviously 
uh, another front runner for the national player of the year, but man, Zach Eady and Purdue, they're, I don't see a team knocking them off in the big 10 by insane amounts. Like it'll be a close game, like a Michigan state type game, but no one's going to come in and beat them by 20 plus. That's not happening. I was watching them play Ohio state. I think this was last week and Jim Jackson was on the call and there's kind of a moment where like Zach Eady does something. And then he's like, you know, I think I have a great uh, player comparison for Zach Eady. And then there's like kind of a dramatic pause. And he's like, he reminds me a lot of Yao Ming. <laughs> and I was like, well, thanks Jim for literally the only player in the history of basketball that would even be remotely comparable to Zach Eady is Yao Ming, you know? And it's like, thank you. We appreciate that level of analysis where it's like, there is no one to compare him to, you know? And if you compare him to Yao Ming, then you're saying he's going to be a hall of favor. Like that's like the only options. It will be interesting to see Jared, how the, this season shakes up. And I mean, I would imagine he gets drafted really high and he gets in the NBA, but man, like his game is, it's still 10 years behind yeah. of the NBA basketball now, which yeah. is so crazy to say. Like Luca, same thing. We said the same thing about Luca's game. Like he's like 10 to 15 years behind of being a hall of famer in the NBA. Shoot so, George Niang, like he's the same, yeah. you know, same thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Edie's gonna have to figure out a way to be able to shoot, probably if he's gonna stick in the league. Because I just, I don't think you can be a back to the basket big man like that. No, make a but league. man, like we've seen him when he first got to Purdue, he was horrible. Now he's one of the most skilled big men in the country, and he's the best player in the country. So who knows what a couple of years might be ahead for him? Yeah, I was, I, I was just thinking, I was like, man, there's nothing. There's nothing quite like comparing the only seven three guy in college basketball to like one of the only other guys that's ever been seven three playing basketball. It's just like man, that's really inspired, uh, really inspired analysis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, last thing. It's just like hey man, like some guys there just isn't a comp for you know, like there just isn't anybody we could compare him to. He's yeah. just he's one of one or one that's so obvious like you don't even have to say it right and it's just kind of funny because like zach Eady kind of looks like Yao Ming, yeah. so it's just like it it was like all around like man i wonder how you landed on that yeah. one how, how'd you get there jim how'd you right get there? how many t how many different players did you think about before you're like you know who it is <laughs> it's Yao. that's who it is that's, that's who he is <laughs> yeah man that's literally the thing that everybody thinks the first time they ever see <laughs> but it. no one says it yeah no one says it because it's like yeah this is the most obvious shit ever <laughs> all right last thing uh there's this incredible video that came out uh on twitter i think it was yesterday it started doing the rounds of the future of the game uh these kids in third grade or something like that going crazy out there playing ball uh we got this video we got to break this down all right. I have no idea who these kids are, where they're at. Oh, man. No, like what? Keep in mind, everyone, these are, these are third graders. Look at this guy back here. Yeah. Flex on him, boy. The funny thing is, is them looking back at the camera right before they're doing it. Right. Hey. Oh Lord! They're shooting arrows as third graders. I won't lie, that's a that's a pretty pure stroke for a third grader. I love the too little. Like that guy's twice the size of every other kid on the floor, and he's hitting everybody with the too little. The, the, we just got we got third graders dropping ass during timeouts. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Is that legal? oh man it's just it's, it's so funny because it's like that was completely unprompted it just does it you know and like imagine being the coach of that team and if they weren't little ballers you'd be like it would probably drive you nuts but they they look like they're pretty good so it's like coaches probably like shit i'll just let them loose let them do their thing you know is this like a serious conversation though like like seriously for right right now like is there something wrong with the next generation of basketball? I'm being dead ass. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably a fair question to be asked there. I, I don't know. I think it's now people celebrate way more and do things like that than they probably ever did. 
as little kids, they're just going to have to learn when's the time and place, you know, like when is the time to, to really get fired up like that? And it's not in the middle of a huddle to start dropping it, dropping it low. I just think it's, this is one of the most insane videos I've ever seen, like from funny wise. And I'm scared. First of all, we have a kid that's, I was probably the same height as he was in third grade. A little short kid, skinny kid. And he's flexing into the camera. I, I mean, if I did that, my dad would kill me. He would actually, my dad and, would take the bell and kill me. And Cannon 30 footers too. Like that's yeah. the other part of it. He's I mean, flexing on made some shots, but yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I think, but also like on a, I don't we got know, little, I, little big baby Davis down there too, out there hitting everybody with the two little. I love that one. The worst part is I bet all those kids are going to outgrow. He just grew a little faster than like, he's going to be one of the little ones at the end. of the He'll day. be six one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I'm, I'm serious. Jared. I think like, I'm sure you've heard it too. Like the amount of stories I've heard of AAU basketball now, oh, like parents, yeah. like getting involved. I think there's like an actual serious issue. I think this video kind of summarizes like from a kid standpoint of where where we're at might be headed where we're at right now i man i don't know i think there's actually a serious problem that's gonna occur that i mean it's already occurring but yeah i'm not sure there's many jobs harder than being a high school basketball coach right now like in dealing with some of the parents dealing with ways some kids are i just think that a lot of the uh the elements of basketball that we spent a lot of time talking about before with iowa state and iowa just with like I think a lot of those things have been lost, you know, and it's like the YouTube is YouTubeization, YouTubeification, I guess, of, uh, of basketball where it's, everybody wants to do the flashy things they want to do, you know, make the video that's going to get you on courtside report or whatever that is. And like, and all that stuff, but you don't want to do the things that actually help your team win, you know, and that's like a product I feel like of the individual, uh, individual training things when you start to do that, when you're in second grade, you know, and things like that, that it's just like, have we lost our way because we don't let our kids just be kids anymore. And it's like, everything has to be professional and we're all going to go and do this thing with this AAU team. And like, it's gotta be a whole production, you know, and it can't just be like some kids out playing in the driveway, having fun, you know, that's what I'm, I mean, I was grateful for my experience. I think my my dad raised me the right way and played basketball the right way. And the kids I played with, like I was always around great kids and they wanted to win and they never cared about that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, maybe we're blowing this out of proportion, but I mean, the things I've seen and have experienced myself, even, you know, us growing up, like it's it, it occurred at a lower level, but I feel like now it's kind of blown to an insane spot where, I mean, kids don't even want to play high school basketball anymore because no. of how bad some parents are. Every every, I feel like every parent thinks their kid is the next LeBron James. Well, and now if you don't play AAU, then you just like get left behind to an extent, yeah. you know. And you, if you're not committing to playing basketball all 12 months of the year, you know, it just is like harder and harder to to do those things. Uh, I coached a fourth grade basketball team last year which is what tells me right now, like those kids are really good for their age level. So it's like, you, you can cut them a little bit of slack for, for being, you know, kind of little assholes to those other guys, the guys on the other team. But it's like, uh, just like being around kids and like the way that they want it, the things they want to do in the gym and like what they, uh, think is fun, like is to me, where I feel like we've lost our way a little bit because now every kid wants to be Stephen Curry you know mm-hmm. and like when i asked I, my first day of practice i asked everybody i was like, i want to know everybody's favorite basketball player and i think every kid besides one said stephen curry and the one who didn't was like the one kid who was twice everybody's height and said Giannis. you know <laughs> and i was like well that's the most stereotypical shit that i've ever seen in my <laughs> life but uh it was like the kind of things that it's the guys that these kids look up to are not the kind of guys that it's like you can replicate that, you know, no one can replicate what Steph does. Like, it, it, it's like, you can't like, it's to have him as your role model is almost like, it's like having LeBron as your role model. It's, it's impossible to imagine that you could ever get to that point, you know? And it yeah. just is like, that's what kids want to do now though. They want to be Stephen Curry, but they don't know how many hours Steph Curry had to put in the gym to be Stephen Curry. It's I want to walk in and start shooting the ball from 40 feet, you know?
yeah. when I can't even get the ball to the rim from right underneath the hoop. Yeah. Or I don't know how to, I don't have like the right form to even shoot a three mm-hmm. first off, but no, that, that's a great point because I think it's okay. Like to have those people be your role model, but you have to be able to get in the gym and replicate what they were doing outside of what they're doing on the court. If that right. makes sense, like you have to be able to go in, like if you're a third grader and you love Steph Curry, like you're shooting 500 shots a day, like you're trying yeah. to replicate what he was doing to get to where he's at. Well, and you're not just doing it where you walk in the gym, grab the ball off the rack and start shooting threes. Yeah. Like think how many hours a day Stephen Curry probably puts into form shooting and things like that, you know, like just creating that muscle memory of doing it the right way. And that's what, you know, when I would try and tell them, I'm like, yo, like, let's try and, you know, when we get started here, we're going to start in close to the basket. If you guys want to start shooting out there, like you guys are in fourth grade, I'm not going to be able to stop you. So it's like, just do your thing. I was like, but when you're warming up, you know, like you're trying to kind of figure out, like you're trying to get your form and you're trying to, you know, really hammer into those things and not just be like throwing the ball around wildly. And they have no interest in that. They're like, nah, we just want to throw the ball around wildly. Let's play knockout. Let's play triple tag. Fuck yeah. you, coach. We just want to have fun, you know. <laughs> they're, they're cussing you out. I no, 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 no. But that—I mean—that's basically what it was, you know. It got to the point where I would go to practice. It, like at the beginning, I would have my whole practice plan. You know, I'm like, okay, we're gonna do this and this and this. And it was literally where I think after two days, we made it halfway through the plan, and all they wanted to do was play knockout. And I was like, fuck it, I'm not bringing a plan anymore. We'll, <laughs> we'll play knockout and dribble tag, and that's it. You know. So like no there's no point so in trying to players anything else. took control of the locker room yes yeah it was a definitely a player-led team uh <laughs> i had four people on my team so anytime we wanted to do anything i had to be the fifth guy to, no, to no. be out there and help him out but no it was fun to do it it just was like i walked away from it like man you know i think if i'm gonna coach kids again i might want to coach a little bit older yeah. like guys that actually have like the ability to control their bodies and not just like we're rolling them out there, you yeah. know? Well, I do think there's a sense of, I mean, just going off that video again, like there's a sense of loving what you're doing. Like, I, I like that stuff. Like obviously at college level, I was kind of one of those players that kind of did some of that stuff. But I mean, you see like Luca was big on doing that and he's still doing that. A lot of players do that, but I mean, they're able to do that because they got to this level and they have the skills to, you know, kind of get to the level. You yeah, know, these players have your fun, but man, I don't know. I just feel like there, there's definitely some issues going on. And yeah, if I was the coach of that team, that would be that would be quickly stopped. I'd be like, we're not doing all this. No, you fuck know, that. I'm making them run, dude. You gotta like, you gotta earn the opportunity to do this, boys. Like this is this is we're not doing this. I'm I'm stopping the game. What was the team I would say played last year that they're doing oh, sprints geez. during timeout? That that's my team. Uh. Arkansas Pine Bluff or someone. Yeah, like something like that, man. Or Alabama State, maybe. Yeah. Talk about all time embarrassing. Like your coach is so mad at you that he makes you stop and run suicides in front of fifteen thousand people. I always thought it's kind of crazy how it's called suicides. Like, what you think that should be canceled? No, I'm not trying to cancel the name suicides, but how crazy is that they're called suicides? I wonder who who it was that gave him the name. It's, i mean what else what like now what other name would we come what's the politically correct name for him that's what i'm saying how do you because isn't killers killers is the other name for it yeah it's like it's almost like it's so not politically correct i don't think there's anything politically correct about having to run some suicides I don't, I don't think, think there's it, anything at that point when everybody's sitting on the line to run suicides, there's nothing, nothing's been going on. That's politically correct. Dude, probably. I, I would rem- I remember, remember like in high school and college, like when we get on the line, I'm like, I'm standing over the line when the coach is getting ready to count us down. I'm like, dude, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> is this worth it? <laughs> dude, the most, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. So when I was at, uh, when I was playing at Simpson, we had to get, you know, like everybody had to do study table or whatever the first semester that we were there until you got a GPA and like kind of graded out of it. And we had to do twice as many hours as every other athlete on campus. And for what I like, you know, 
we're fresh. I'm like 18 freshmen, yeah. me and my buddy. And so we would go and sign in at the study, at the study table and then leave, you know, and like go back Sorry. and sign back out later. I did the same uh, thing at Iowa. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Everybody does. Like if you have that opportunity <laughs> to work around that, like you're going to work around it. Cause I'm not sitting with my ass in the library for 10 yeah. hours a week. Like it's just not happening, you know? Right. Uh, but for, there was this one week where I came up literally five minutes short of my 10 hours for the week. And this is like in the middle of the season and they made me stand in the middle and watch everyone else run for like 15 minutes, you know, it, whatever it was, like as long as I had missed on my study table, they made me stand and watch everyone else run. And that was the only thing worse than actually running myself was ha knowing it was my fault that everyone else was running and that I didn't have to run with them. <laughs> so were you just in the middle? Were you clapping them up? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think <laughs> so we we're doing this thing called our coach called it a Colgate because he said that Colgate was what you would need when you get done with it. Like the toothpaste uh, because you're throwing up, yeah. you know? And, uh, so yeah, I was standing in the middle and it's like, and he's standing there basically giving me a lecture while leading these guys on the Colgate, you know? And like, I'm just standing there like, I was literally five minutes off. Like, fuck this shit, dude. Like, this is stupid, you know? And I understand why, like, I got in trouble because I, yeah, I broke a rule, but it was just like, come on, man. Like, I, like, I don't care if you make me run, but like, I just felt bad that I made everybody else have to run, you that's know? Like, yeah, that happened a few times with our college team. Like, that's actually, dude, study table hours are actually, like, insane. Yeah, it's so stupid, dude. But some, just, of the, some of the guys need them, I will say that. Some of the guys need them, but is it really beneficial? Well, I know that I probably could have used him at Iowa State, so uh, it, it, it could have used some of that accountability probably, but what can you do? Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.